Well, good morning. Amen. Um, <clears throat> so today we're going to um, have this meeting uh, where I will speak, and then afterwards we'll have a little break. And then after the break, you will be in your breakout groups uh, for about 40 minute, 45 minutes or something like this, according to the schedule. Uh, after which we'll come back here and we'll do some, not Q&A, I was told it should be Q&R. That means question and response. <laughs> Nobody have answers, we'll just have a, some response. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> now, of course, sisters, when we touch this matter of the sisters, by the way, let me give you a little bit of a background, and that is... Um, in a number of places in, uh, in, in North America, that means including Canada, uh, beginning in uh, 2015, <clears throat> we've been conducting these things called um, elders training or eldership training uh, based on material that is called Lessons for Elders. And as it were, in a lot of these places, we... Um, welcome. Actually, we open the door a little wider um, to receive or, in fact, to um, um, encourage uh, brothers who are not elders for sure. And may I say, even brothers that, you know, they may never become an elder, um, likely. That's up to the Lord. But in any event, um, the door became a little bit more open and more brothers, we felt, who could benefit from those lessons attended. For example, uh, uh, the latest is where I came from, and that is Southern California. And we actually are conducting a monthly training with these brothers, all told uh, well over 800 brothers uh, from the churches in the area. And so, and that became not just a training to kind of train up elders in that way, but in fact to uh, train up brothers who would know these basic things in serving the Lord and serving God's people and in uh, caring for the church and in building up the local churches. And... Um, after two years of such training, uh, two years ago in uh, Canada, we finished two years of such training, and I said to the brothers, this is all can kind of Canada gathered together, I say, now what? <laughs> and without missing a beat, every man in the room said, the sisters. Meaning, is the sisters' turn. Um, in actually, in a lot of these trainings, prior these elders' training for brothers, prior to those trainings, uh, the brothers made sure that we have we spent adequate time with sisters before the brothers' training, particularly those who are the wives of these brothers who are registering for this training, because they felt it is so important um, for these brothers to be. Uh, supported, uh, or in some, in a good sense, released by the wives, by the sisters, so that they can participate in this training in a um, 
um, um, in a free way, you know, um, in a good way. And we did that. I was myself participated in a number of these fellowships just with the wives, the sisters. And um, that was very, very good and very, very, I would say, necessary uh, because it gave the sisters a kind of a view uh, of why this straining for the brothers, why we're taking them away from them, <laughs> and uh, why we're doing it for so long, like one to two years. And in the end, the sisters realize that they need to pay a price, you know, going in with their eyes open. And uh, because of that kind of cooperation, because of that kind of um, um, uh, paying of the price, uh, all these trainings that I've been involved in became really very, very successful. And I have to give a lot of credit to the sisters, the wives, uh, behind the scene, you know, sort of managing the home front. We, every month we have a gathering of brothers for four or five hours. And, you know, if, if you include driving and all that, some five, six hours on a Saturday. It's not easy uh, for them to be away from their uh, families. So um, <clears throat> with that word, sisters, crying out, um, we... Um, Actually, I have prepared for some time these 48 lessons uh, for sisters. And it became the material that we have since used uh, to have meetings and conferences or trainings like this. And um, the more I spoke in these occasions, these, these kind of conferences or trainings, the more I feel that uh, we owe the sisters something. Um, uh, some uh, the lessons like this and fellowship like this, um, so that they wouldn't, uh, forgive me for saying this, they would know how to be sisters. No, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying this flippantly. <clears throat> Actually, br those elders' training is telling brothers how they should be brothers. Really. You say, do I need really to know how to be a brother? Absolutely. Amen. You'd be surprised how many brothers today who don't know how to be brothers. Same thing go for sisters. You know, you just don't get saved, you love the Lord, and you know how to be a sister. You don't. That's why in the Bible, there are teachings. And in the New Testament, specific teaching which is part of the apostles' teaching now, uh, in some detail, um, instructing, as it were, sisters how to be. You know, actually, we, um, I offered to the brothers another two lessons that I have not covered. They selected these two, and those two lessons were one, instruction to young sisters. The second one was instruction to older sisters. Even... It's two different teachings. You know, you may be a good young sister, but you don't know how to be a good old sister. Right. You see what I'm saying? And the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the teaching in the Word is that there's some specific instructions to uh, either categories. So, um, 
I hope this would be your uh, attitude, this would be your spirit, um, to learn, to learn. Uh, and then there's instructions how to be wives. There's instruction how to be husband. There's instruction how to be children, Christian children. Instructions how to be Christian parents. In fact, how to be Christian dad and a Christian mom. And how to be a Christian slave. Now, now this is mind-blowing. How to be a Christian master, slave master. Whoa. Uh, I think somewhere in in the footnotes, I'm sh- I think so. You can find it either in Ephi- uh, in uh, Ephesians or Colossians. These are two sisters' books. Uh, you'll find um, uh, um, Brother Witness Lee saying something to this effect: that as horrible and evil that system of slavery was and still is. We're talking about back in the Roman Empire days, uh, where the system of slavery is common. It is an institution, just how it was. And yet Paul, this apostle, who for sure is very clear that this is wrong. This is not right. This is inhumane, inhuman, uh, and so on and so forth. Yet, in nowhere you can find Paul trying to abolish slavery at that time, as evil a system as it was. He didn't. Not only he didn't go about doing that, he actually instructed the slaves how to be a better slave. I mean, this is, this is mind-blowing. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? No, we read it yesterday. It says, slaves, obey in all things those who are your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing the Lord. He's bringing even the Lord into this. Masters, he talked about them, grant to your slaves that which is just, be just, be righteous, and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. That's Paul. So what, is, what point am I making? I'm not here uh, justifying that institution, obviously. I'm not here, you know, promoting that, anything like that at all. I'm making a point here, and that point is the point from last night, and I have continued to have a burden. Brothers, if the Lord leads me, I may say something more tomorrow morning to the church. What burden am I talking about? I'm talking here about the humanness of God. I'm talking about how how God's how God Himself and His plan, His purpose, His heart's desire, His pleasure is all wrapped up with man. With man, um, He doesn't think about the angels. The angels are okay. You know, the fine. But in eternity, back in eternity, and I don't know how long eternity was, but sometime before the foundation of the world, his heart was already set on something called man. Amen. 
Man is not an accident. The human being is not an accident. It's not an afterthought, even. It's in God's heart. So much so that when he made this man, he made it not like a blob, you know what I mean? He made this man in his image and according to his likeness so that this man would resemble him. This man would be his split image. This man would look like him, just like him. This man is meant to be his expression. And for what purpose? For what purpose? So that he can gain this man. Now, this is another mind-blowing thing, and this is the greatest gospel, is there's one. To be his counterpart to be his wife, to be his lover, to be his other half. In a truly divine human romance. It's, it's, this is real romantic stuff, all right? The God wanting to be married. But just like Adam cannot marry a donkey or a monkey or even a chimpanzee whom they say just one chromosome difference and we would be a chimpanzee or something like that. (laughs) Whatever it is, Adam would say, you know, when these animals were paraded in front of him and he would just say, name the name, get out of here, you know. That's a giraffe, get out of here. And that's an elephant, get out of here. Because among all these myriads of animals, uh, Adam could not find his own kind. Adam could not find his counterpart. Because none of these animals, as cuddly like the panda that I mentioned last night and all that stuff, they are not human. They are not his kind. And therefore, there's no way for him to uh, have one of them to be his other half, his match, his complement, his wife. That is a picture of God. There, there, There are all kinds of things, beautiful things. But, ah, he is looking for man. You know, Psalm 8, What is man that you are so mindful of him? Look at the heavens, the stars, all the things. Look at the earth. But what is man that you are so mindful of him? So much so that God himself in Christ Jesus would one day become A man. A little lower than the angels. Right? And eventually, 
crowned with glory and honor. All this is quoted in Hebrews. And of course, that is a huge um, prophecy in Psalm concerning the incarnation of God and the processes of God all have to do with God's economy. Now, my point, however, this weekend is how God's heart is set on man. He, he wants man to match him, to satisfy him, but not just with his image, not just with his likeness, and therefore, after he made man, he put man in front of a tree called the tree of life. And we all know what the tree of life is. The tree of life is simply he himself in the form of food, of food supply, of sustenance, for man to eat. I know I'm speaking, preaching to the choir here, but I think it's important to re-say these things so that man, by partaking of this tr- fruit of the tr- from this tree, man would actually receive or take God in to be his life. And if man would do that, man not only would have God's image or God's likeness without, but God, man would actually receive God to be his life and to be a partaker of the divine nature. My goodness, and many other things of God that is divine all become portions and allotments for man to partake. And by man doing this, man now would be the same as God. Not only a God look-alike, right? But actually God inwardly. Life and nature, he would just be not a different animal. He would be God's species. He would be God's kind. Now, God and man can have a real relationship together, to be joined, to be mingled, and, romantically speaking, to be married, to fall in love and to be married. This is the story of the Bible. This is the story of the Bible. So, dear sisters, based on this, um, yes, in our kind of a talk these days concerning this high revelation of the Word of God, um, we are in God's full salvation are to become God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. Yes, that's true. That in essence, that in elements, we would be the same as God, sharing his life and nature that no animals can do, have the right to do, except the human that God made. But don't forget, before this, It was God becoming man, so that man may become 
God. Without God becoming man, man could never become God. But I'm concerned that when we say we become God, we have some weird notion of what is to become God. I start levitating. I start, you know, as I said, sprouting wings. I start growing a halo up here. I start, um, I don't know what, I don't know what you're thinking. I, I'm afraid, to, uh, well, I'm not afraid. I mean, it's a fact um, that there are many people, uh, human beings, because life is so hard, incredibly hard on this earth, suffering and all kinds of problems. They yearn to be delivered from that suffering and that kind of a situation. Uh, to be released from that, and to be something else. Amen. You know, the last thing they want to be is to be a man. You know, these Chinese, we, we have Buddhism, you know, we're kind of Buddhistic. They have something called reincarnation. Have you heard of that? That means in the next round, you sort of want to be, you can have a choice, I suppose. This round, I'm a man, it's terrible. Next round, I think I'll be a butterfly. <laughs> Oh, I can fly among the flowers, or next round I would be a panda bear. I don't know what. (laughs) Or an angel. But just get me out of here. Get me out of here. This human life is miserable. This human life is not worth living. This human life is just bad. All right? Just get me out of here in the next round. Do you sometimes think that? Oh, my marriage is bad. I just want to get out of it and be free. I'll be free. Or a bad family situation. I want to get out of that and I'll be free. Oh, I'll, I'll be so spiritual. I'll be, oh, I can, I don't have all these things. I'll spend all day loving the Lord. Oh, all day pray reading, all day, uh, oh, I don't know what, I have lots of time. Do you think this way? You do, thank you. (laughs) I like this sister, she is being very, very honest. You are not that honest. (laughs) Well, even I sometimes have some thought, you know. To, to have a change, you know, and be something else. But, dear saints, if you can see into God's heart, you would never think that way. God made you a man because he wants you to be a man. I use this man, the word generically, please. Let's not get into all this politically correct stuff. <laughs> Human, let's use this word. God doesn't want you to be anything else but what you are and who you are. In fact, all the sufferings, all the 
difficulties, all the things that come upon us, you may say, is part of God's work, necessary work, coupled in parallel with himself within us, operating. It is God who operates in you, the willing and the doing. Am I right? According to his good pleasure. So with his inner operating within us, and then with certain outside environment, which Romans calls all things. God causes all things, all things that means all things, that means all persons, or environment, or situation that will come upon you, all things, to work together. To work together. For those who love him, and who are called according to his purpose. Now, what is his purpose? If you read the entire Romans 8, you'll find that purpose simply is that one day we... Human, we, man, through a process of salvation by God in life, the salvation in life and by life, we would all be what? Conform to the image of God's firstborn son. Now, I'd like to tell you that confirmation to that firstborn son, or rather that firstborn son of God, which we all know is Christ. He's no longer, listen to me, he's no longer the only begotten. He is now the firstborn. And when did he become firstborn, sisters? A little test. In resurrection. Am I right? In resurrection day, he told uh, uh, Mary Magdalene, go tell what? My brothers. Never call them brothers. Call them, call them friends, disciples. But that day, go tell my brothers. That means in resurrection, we were all regenerated with him to become the many sons of God, possessing now God's life. And now God is no longer just our God. God today is our Father. He is his Father of Jesus' Father. He is also our Father. And we all become the Brothers of Jesus. Now, my point, this firstborn son of God is still the son of God, but now he's the firstborn. And this firstborn today is absolutely no longer just divine. He now, by the process of incarnation, Human living, human living, human living. A carpenter's son, a 12-year-old youngster 
that have to follow her, his mother and father to go home after he taught so marvelously in a synagogue. This person that has to grow up in stature, in spirit, who lived life tasting the sweet and the bitter. It says we have a high priest who knows how to succor us, how to sympathize with us, because he knows our weaknesses. We're talking about human weaknesses because God is not weak. But he was weak. In the Garden of Gethsemane, how he prayed. He was hurting. He was hoping that this cup, the cross, the will of God, can be removed from him. And so on in his life. My point is, that's his human living. And so, now with him, having been through this, and finally even dying a death. You know, all human die. And Jesus also died. He passed through that ultimate experience of man. Of course, he resurrected. He became a man. He was a man. He was a God-man. And it is to that image, sisters, that we will be conformed. We're not going to be conformed to be God in the heavens. You know, the thought of being up there, whatever, standing on the clouds. No, no. To be conformed to God. God's firstborn son is to live his human life again on this earth, in our marriages, in our families, in our human relationships, in our jobs. We think to be saved, to be spiritual, to overcome will become some superhuman, superman or superwoman. They're flying around or whatever it is. Uh, Nary a problem, free from everything. You're more than wrong. You know, you know, Paul went through a shipwreck, you, you know? And when Christ was on the cross, no angels came and saved him. Paul had to face beasts. Paul was persecuted. Paul was, you know what I mean? Chased from town to town. How good it is, again, to sprout some wings and be out of here. Now, I may be belaboring a point, maybe, but I want to impress you sisters to be 
spiritual, to live Christ, to express Christ, is to be utterly human. In fact, we express him in our human daily life. I hope that you would have this view. But, but, there's a difference. We're human. We live in these human circumstances. But we're not just human. We're also divine. We're divinely human. We have something divine within us. But even that divine element in us that is of God, cannot be separated from his human element anymore. It used to be separate. God is God, man is man. But since incarnation, God and man has intertwined. Divinity and humanity are mingled together. And it's not going to be separate, separated again. Dear sisters, we have such a man in us. You have such a man in you. His name is Jesus. And his humanity is the highest of the highest order. Talk about ethical. He is the most ethical man. Talk about morality. He possesses super morality, the highest morality. Read the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. You know, Steve here was uh, uh, telling me, we, he first met me in 1970 in Los Angeles. For sure it's not in Texas because I've never been to Texas. I was in L.A., so that's where we met as young people or something. I forgot, totally forgot, he remember. 1970. Actually, not 1970, but more like 19... Uh, no, it may be. I don't know what you came for, but those were the days when Brother Lee spoke about Christ versus religion. But there's one spring conference, uh, a special training, informal training, it's called at that time, which becomes the book which I absolutely will recommend to you sisters called Christ as Reality. This is such a book, Christ as Reality, where he covered the five main offerings in Leviticus. Turns out that he devoted half of that book to one offering, and that's the meal offering. And we all know, if you have studied the Bible, you know that the meal offering refers to what? It refers to the humanity of this one, of Jesus. There's no blood in this offering. There's no animals in this offering. There's just fine flour. There's just oil, etc. About the perfect, fine, top, sweet humanity of Jesus Christ. And that meal offering eventually is not only to be offered to God, it became a staple for the priests. In other words, it become their diet. The priests are to eat this offering. 
enjoy this offering. So dear sisters, today you say, how on earth can I stay in my, as a man, in my various situations, marriage, family, all these kind of daily, mundane, and difficult environments, how do I do that? I tell you, it is very real that Jesus is in you. He is in me. And he has been through it all. And he has lived it all. This man who is filled with this, what we call, aromatic human virtues in so many ways, is now actually living in us as our life and our person. How do we live this life? There's only one way. That is to take this man. Enjoy this man. The song that we sang just now on 1 Corinthians 13. Like most Christians, I love this chapter. But I'm very scared of this chapter. You know why? Because I look at this chapter, it becomes a checklist. It says, love is not this. Love is not this. Love is not this. And then it goes on saying, love is this. Love is this. Every time I take my pen to that checklist, all my boxes come up empty. Nothing checks in me. And I'm supposed to love my wife. Let's go to the starting point. My wife. And then I come up empty. I come up empty. You know, it's one thing in the early days, you have this romantic stuff going on. That, that's okay, you know. But you know it doesn't stay like that. You know, you get bored, you get... They say you grow apart. They say, you, 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 know, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. And in fact, the one that you loved somehow become the one you dislove the most. Because you got to know this person now. Before you know, you just, ooh. Once you get to know, it's like, what did I do? I mean, I mean, I mean, truly this prince is a, is a frog, you know? And then you open 1 Corinthians 13. You're supposed to kiss this frog. Well, I say the same thing, not just to sisters, brothers. Isn't it the case? Some earlier, some later. 
Sooner or later, there's that kind of a point. But this first chapter is still, I mean, this chapter 13 is still very inspiring. So I emboldened myself and wrote this hymn. I just wrote it in Thanksgiving, you know, for the Charlotte Conference. But that was a kind of bad first draft. So afterwards, I wrote this, uh, which is what we sang today. Now, sisters, because I write it doesn't mean that's me. But it is aspirational. If this is in the word, sisters, that means it's possible. In the end, in the end, such love, by the way, that's not just divine love in 1 Corinthians 13. It's human love. But human love with the divine love embedded in it. Amen. Human love expressing the divine love as the source. Because that's the only way it is possible to love like that. It says love doesn't brag. You know, I would never write that. This is clearly not just some kind of lovey-dovey romantic thing. This is something that is God himself, who is love. But not just God himself, but God becoming a man. That means the divine love now incarnated in the human love. It is so human that in marriages... It sustains the marriages. It's beyond just a human romantic uh, uh, factor. It's what's impossible to the human because of the fall. And yet it is what the human is made to do, to love. And so, dear sisters, actually, there's no other way, no other way in our marriage except to take this Christ by contacting him. Now, we say call on the Lord, pray, read. We sometimes say these things too lightly, like just do this. Dear sisters, we need the Lord. We need him every day. We must contact him. We must pray unceasingly. All this is so that we turn that switch on. Am I right? Right. We let his life operate and flow within us. And do with it what is impossible within us. Hence the song. By Brother Watchman Nee, live thyself through me, Lord Jesus. For your life is mine, whatever that song says. Lord, I cannot do it. 
I'm made to do it, but I cannot do it. Lord, you live. I like to just live with you. I like to just stick with you. I just like to be with you. I just like to mingle with you. I like to just be one with you in this way so that you can live in and through me. To my husband. To my heart to stand husband. To my my heart dealing wife. To my difficult children. Paul, in these epistles, to to Ephesians and Colossians, these are the two top heart books in the New Testament. They are high, the the vision of Christ the head, Christ as the, the the body, the church. It is high to the uttermost. Yet in these high epistles, Paul would devote a good amount of time to these so-called ethical human relationships. Because this is where we live out the reality of holding the head. This is where we live out the reality of what? Of keeping the oneness. This is where we live out the reality of the body of Christ in this human daily life. So do not hope and pray, Lord, get me out of here. Give me a pair of wings so I can fly away. I'm not telling you to ask for trouble. That's not what I'm saying. But I tell you, Paul said, well, quoting the word of the day. Godliness and contentment is great gain. Remember that word? That is not just to be stoic, you know, grin and bear it. Godliness means to live God by enjoying God. Contentment means you don't complain, you don't fight, you don't wish you were somewhere else. Now, I tell you humanly, we cannot do that. We, we have very small threshold, right? But my dear sisters, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage myself that this is possible. I know, I'm 60-something, I won't tell you, 60, what? (laughs) Actually, I'm cheating, you know, but anyway, I'm 60-something. So I also live a human life for some time, wife. Dog, uh, 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 right? Uh, children, grandchildren now, this and that, in-laws. So, so I have my share, okay? And so, to some degree, I, I, I know the human life, how difficult it is. Even for us in the church, such a glorious place with such vision and such enjoyment. I say again, the Lord doesn't, is not in the business of just changing our environment. 
He has a much sweeter, higher purpose than that. He wants to work himself into each one of us, each one of you sisters, so that you can live him in the most human sense in your daily life. Marriage, family in particular. Once upon a time, the old days, we in the recovery, we were rather small. We, I wouldn't say pride ourselves, but it was a kind of a culture among us where, you know, the, There were no divorces. Now, I'm not here yearning for the good old days. I'm not doing that, okay? And I also realize, because I serve and minister to many situations and cases, but I'm making a point that, dear ones, today it is so easy to follow the trend of this age and just say, well, I'm mistreated. Oh, well, I'm emotionally abused. Oh, we grew apart. Oh, we're not meant for each other. Now, I'm no marriage counselor here, okay? (laughs) But dear sisters... Uh, I just want to say something in principle. I'm not addressing cases, but in principle. Then we have families, not just, you know, not just marriages, but the families, the children, and wait till you have grown-up children, am I right? On and on. And then you have slaves and... Slaves and masters, which like today you have your bosses and so on and so forth. All these human situations. Is exactly the place, are the exact places where God is to be expressed. Where Christ is lived. I say again, we're not here focusing on the family, just to have good families. But on the other hand, if we live in this kind of a way, in this reality, with the Lord, then the family will have a focus automatically. We will have healthier families, better families, not for merely for our own pride and enjoyment, but indeed, this will be something so necessary as building blocks in the church life today, which is God's heart's desire. I know I'm taking so much time almost going back to last night, but I feel the important thing is to get through with a burden. I hope so. In Houston, 
in the churches here, what people see are not a bunch of weird, you know what I mean, angelic beings. When they contacted, when they contact the church, they'll touch a group of people who are fully human. Very human. Husbands, wives, dad and moms, kids, grandparents, uncles, aunts, whatever, friends, whatever, all this. Just, just like, just like how it is. But there is a fragrance. There is an smell. There is an odor. There's something here that is beyond just human understanding. There's something divine, something of Christ here. I tell you, this is the testimony. Do you agree with me? Really, this is what human beings are looking for in society today? Really? Where is the place where there is such proper humanity? Now, I have to get on to this, otherwise I'm messing up the schedule. And so this morning, uh, again, I will not just go line by line. This is not one of those trainings. Uh, Just want to share the burden. Now we come to a lesson that is called the family life holy for the church life. This is a very important matter, sisters, because you hold the key. You hold the key in this. Yes, we need very human families, Christ-filled and spirit-filled families. Oh, I, 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 I don't know what to do, brothers. I, I'm just... I'm just so burdened about this. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow. huh? Maybe we'll say something more tomorrow. You know, look. I, I go back to 1 Corinthians 13. The boxes that I set that I couldn't check. Listen. Let's just listen. Love suffers long. Heard of long suffering? Long suffering. Not for five minutes, but for years and decades. Love is kind. There's nothing lovey-dovey here. Love is kind. I mean, to be kind to each other is to love one another. Which includes gentleness, tenderness, goodness. Love is not jealous. How about that? Love does not brag, doesn't, doesn't, you know. Love is not puffed up. That's the definition. Filled with 
virtuous. Virtuous love. And so I, I have those words. Oh, what perfect love. Oh, what noble love. Whatever. Oh, lasting love. Right? It does not behave uncomely, un, unbecomingly. That means love affects behavior. Don't say behavior means nothing. And doesn't seek its own thing. It's not selfish. There's no self in this love. It is not provoked. That means true love, you, you, you're not provoked. And does not take account of evil. You, you don't rejoice in evil. Rather, it says, it does not rejoice because of unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Amen. And listen to this. It covers all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. Sometimes you just run out of hope. You know, I live on a street called Hope. And it's a cul-de-sac. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in the last house. They say, you want to find me? Come to the end of hope. <laughs> That's where I live. That's my address. I like to tell you, the end of hope is the beginning of Jesus. Amen. No, really, really. You, you lost hope long time ago. This marriage is hopeless. This family, whatever. I have no more faith anymore. I tried. It doesn't work. Something is terribly wrong, fundamentally not working. All these things you say to yourself. But when you come and touch the Lord and truly come to the Lord, you're pressed to the Lord by that time because you have no other recourse This love, not in the name of love, but this something, this Christ. Because you open a crack in your heart, because you open your vessel a little bit, this one flowed in. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And the more you let him flow in, he begins to turn your bitterness, like casting that tree in the water to make the water sweet. Amen. It's bitter, but that tree makes the water sweet. What is that tree? That tree is the crucified Christ. Amen. The crucified Jesus. He was he came into your situation by your opening a crack to him. I know many sisters. They try everything, but they would not open a crack to the Lord. Which is really what you need to do. Amen. Just open, sisters. Open that crack. Open your heart. 
You cannot open it to anybody. No one understands. But you can open to him. Open that crack. Let him in. Let love in. He will cover for you. He will believe for you. He will hope for you. He will endure for you. And not just for you, but with you. He will take you along. Amen. Amen. I don't know what to do with this outline. Forget about it. Are you with me? Sisters? The human is complex. We're all complex beings. And the life that we live, the longer we live on this earth, becomes more and more complicated. You couldn't even diagnose, you couldn't even figure it out. The wrongs, the, the psychological aspects. Talk about disorders, we all have some. You know what I'm saying, yeah. dear saints. Unless you're in denial. I do, I confess. And then all the weirdness that each one of us possess called peculiarity, dispositional kinds, cultural kinds, all kinds. And how do you put two human beings so different and complicatedly different together? And so they say, well, in the old days... The median mortal, what is the, the age when you die? Uh, 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 Steve, what is the, the age? Huh? That's the day most people die. In the old days, 200 years ago, you know what it is? 38 years old. So they don't have that much divorce because by the time you're born, you're dead. <laughs> Do you hear me? By the time you're bored, you're dead. Now we live long life. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm going to be bored to death for another 40 years, you know, to go. Saints, dear brothers and sisters, If it's possible for you and I to make it, we don't need God. We don't need the Lord. That's not not how it is. And that's not how it's meant to be according to God's heart's desire, God's intention. He wants to live your life for you. Amen, amen. And he wants to live it with you. He won't go it alone. And he absolutely doesn't want you to go it alone. Every day he's saying, 
Child, let's live today together. I'm here. I'm in you. Whatever you need, all these aspects of love, love being the consummate virtue, the virtue of all virtues, you can almost find all human virtues in this chapter. Without the spelling L-O-V-E, The top law is to love God and love your neighbor. In everything of the prophets is hung on this. And even the new commandment in the New Testament. There's a commandment in the New Testament. Don't think New Testament has no commandment. There's the highest commandment. And that is to love one another. We come and sometimes love brothers and sisters, but we couldn't love the ones that are closest to us. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He does not want you to go live with him up there, you know, upstairs, you know. He wants to come downstairs. And live with you on this earth. He's been through it. He knows it. He wants to live with you again. But this time not by himself. But he will live through you and me. Okay. (laughs) I think I better skip this. Because... There's not enough time and it won't do it justice. Brothers, are you okay? You're fine, huh? That means maybe I will come come back again and do lesson 14 or something. You know, afterwards, we're going to have a Q&R. I love that. Um... <clears throat> But actually, I tell you, even before the Q&R, I have given you the unique answer already. Yeah, yeah. Really. really. I'm, not, I'm not making, this, right. making light of right. this. Right. Dear sisters, no matter where you are, whatever phase, stage, whatever right. you are, Amen. children, oh my goodness, talk about heartache. These ones that you you brought to this world. You just want to. I like to say this again, that... Family life is key in God's economy. That's how God ordained it. The families are healthy, strong. The church will be healthy and strong. 
And this family life, which includes marriage life, is entirely human, very human. It's not just spiritual. There's a lot of psychological aspects to it. A lot of human and practical aspects to it. As God has intended. That's why God himself became a man. To go through it first. To pass through it first. Now he's not just a model for us to imitate, although there's that aspect. He now becomes, hath become that life-giving spirit, he himself, to live within us. To make us truly human, not Wickedly human, not Adamically human, but Jesusly human, but Godly human. That's to, that's really to be human. A human being with a human God, with the God man living in us. I'm so happy. Even as I speak, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that through this ministry, we are really given the solution. Thee I take to all my problems as my full solution now. Dear sisters, don't go anywhere for solutions. I don't mean that at a certain time you need some expert help, you need certain kind of professional help, whatever. But I'm saying the ultimate solution is still here. Thank you, Lord. I like us to sing that hymn of Watchman Nee, number 403. Live thyself, Lord Jesus, through me.